Thank you so much for leading us in worship today. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to John 6. And in just a moment, we will read from that passage. But again, I welcome you here today and say thank you for coming to God's house this morning. We're going to be reading in John 6, and we've been studying the entirety of the Gospel of John. And as we've studied the Gospel of John, we've seen our Lord Jesus attempt to communicate, particularly the message of salvation. And we're going to see it extremely powerfully portrayed because he gives us, in his own words, what it means to be a follower, a Christ follower. And so I'm excited about being uh, sharing this gospel with you today. But unfortunately, Jesus, in his attempt to communicate, often realized what I'm saying and what they're hearing is two different things. Often he would try to portray something and they just didn't get it. You know how that is. Because many times they were like us. They lived in this world and were consumed with the things of this world a little too much. They had their mind on, can I pay the mortgage at the end of the month? Uh, can I buy groceries? The things of this world began to impact too much. I saw an example this week of a man who really stated this world's position pretty strongly. Now he died this year. How many of you remember the name Lee Iacocca? All the older people and a few younger people. But he was the chairman that, of the Chrysler Corporation who was really credited for turning around that uh, failing corporation. I think we have a picture of him up here somewhere. Uh, that's Lee Iacocca in his younger years. As I said, he just died in July of this year. But here's what Iacocca said in an interview. He said, what do guys like me do who've had the world by the string? I got some notoriety and I've got some money. I made a lot of money in the car business, but now that chapter is closed. And I don't think much about cars anymore, he said. You can plan everything in life and then the roof caves in on you. Because you haven't done enough thinking, listen to this, about who you are and about what you should do with the rest of your life. Mr. Iacocca, you are right. Most people don't spend enough time thinking about who they are and what they should do with the rest of their life. But Mr. Iacocca, if you could have found a Bible in your library, surely you had one somewhere. And if you had turned to John chapter 6, you would have seen the answer to your question. Who am I? And what do I need to do with the rest of my life? Mr. Iacocca, you could have found the answer. It's right there. And so look with me to John 6, 22 and following. It's a long passage. I ask you to stay with me. It's an important passage. It's a powerful word from the Lord. John chapter 6 beginning with verse 22. On the following day, 
When the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which the disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? They're confused. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, Not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Look at verse 28. Then they said, well, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He sent. Therefore they said to Him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Give us another miracle, Jesus. Just give us another one, please. Verse 31, Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, look at verse 32, Most assuredly I say unto you, I think King James says, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In other words, me. And then they said to him, verse 34, Lord, give us this bread always. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, but he who believes in me shall never thirst, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, That everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life. And I raise Him up in the last day. Now look at verse 41. Jesus then, uh, the Jews then complained about Him because He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is this that He says, I have come down from heaven? And then Jesus answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written among the prophets, 
And they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that everyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, look at verse 47. He who believes in me has what? Everlasting life. Jesus said, verse 48, I am the bread of life. Oh, that's our memory verse, by the way, for today. I am the bread of life. You fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, which, that one may eat it and may not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of the bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Wow, what a text, huh? What a passage. Last week we saw Jesus feed the multitude. That great story told about in all four of the Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. We saw him feed the multitude and then we saw him leave the multitude. Today we see two other things. We see him teach, excuse me, one other thing, the teach the multitude. Now, they had been fed, and they wanted more food. Uh, Jesus would point out very clearly they wanted food, but not the truth. The fact is, they left him, most of them left him after one sermon. How about that? Now, for most of us preachers, it takes two or three sermons to get rid of most people. But for Jesus, after one, okay, that's a joke, one sermon, most of them left him. Him. Well, there was confusion, a mystery here. Uh, they didn't know how he got where he was. They had seen the boats leave and come, and he was not on them. They didn't know about him walking on the water. They were confused. How did you show up here, Jesus? We, we don't know how you got here. There was a lot of confusion about that. He didn't really tell them how. But he begins to teach them. He begins to preach a sermon about the bread of life. Well, there are four responses of the crowd. We're going to see two of them. Next week, we'll see the other two. First, uh, we see them seeking, and then we see them murmuring, and then we see them striving. And last, sadly, we see them leaving or departing. The first two responses we shall study this morning. And there's a lot to it. First, we see the seeking crowd. And I do put the word seeking in, in quotes because uh, they really didn't seek him as they should. The disciples were impressed, maybe, that so many of the people had stayed after the storm. Now, most had left already, but some stayed. And they may have been impressed. Oh, my goodness. Look at the crowd. We still have Jesus, but Jesus was not impressed because he knew what was going on in their hearts they were following him because of the miracles that he had done not because of the content of his teaching so he begins to try to clarify for them and in verse 26 and 27 he talks about two kinds of food there's a food that will satisfy you temporarily but there's a food that will touch you for all eternity there's a food that will give you sustenance to take care of your physical needs, but there's a more important kind of food that I want to give to you that will last forever. 
And so what the people needed desperately was a food that would give spiritual life, not physical life. And he talks about that kind of life being a gift from God. Well, the crowd began by seeking Christ and then started to seek a sign from him. Well, show us something else, Jesus. Please, give us another miracle, they were calling. Again, as you'll see, they wanted to see and believe. Look at verse 30. What sign you perform then that we may see it and then believe. I've told you over and over. A mature follower of Christ believes and then he sees or she sees. But the world wants to see and then believe. It's exactly the opposite of the wisdom of God. But we see this crowd seeking this sign for him. So our Lord then in response seeks to deepen the people's understanding of the truth. Now the rabbis had been teaching that when the Messiah comes, he's going to send manna from heaven like Moses did. So Jesus uses that often taught word to say it was God, not Moses, that gave the manna. And yes, in the past he had given that physical manna, but now I am giving you the true living bread. Then Jesus clearly defined what that true living bread is. And he says it so powerfully there in verse 34 and 35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, but he who believes in me will never thirst. He clarifies what that is and he says, it's me. It's me. I am the bread of life. And if you really want to live forever, you will taste of me. Well, the crowd wanted the bread but not so sure they want anything deeper than that. They do begin somewhat to listen to him, but they're like many people in our world today. Give me a Jesus that makes me feel good when I want to feel good, but don't give me a Jesus who wants too much of my life. God, give me just enough that makes me want what I want and, and satisfies what I want, but God, don't ask for more. But he is asking for more. And the people don't seem to understand it. And so he uses two key words here. And those words are come and believe. And I want you to say it out loud with me. Come and believe. One more time. Come and believe. Oh my friends, he, it means to come to him and, and to give your life, to yield it to him. Come and believe. To come to Christ and believe on him means to receive him just as you receive food and drink. Come and receive me. Receive me. And these verses, 37 through 40, look again at that little section. Some of the most powerful in all the Bible because they contain Jesus' explanation of the process of salvation. You want to know what Jesus says about being saved? Look there. He says, come and believe. Come and believe. But it's more than just giving an intellectual nod to say, okay, yeah, I got it. I figured that out. It is a yielding of one's life. Jesus says it involves something very deep. Now, over the years, I've witnessed to a lot of people. And I've been on witnessing visits with a lot of people. And I, I've had 
I've heard people say, well, all you just need to do is just say this little magical phrase, Jesus, come into my heart. I've heard teachers teach that to children, teach it to adults, as if saying some magical phrase is going to change you from hell to heaven. It's going to redeem your life for all eternity. It's more than just saying a magical phrase. It's a yielding of one's life to the power of God. It's not just a trite little phrase or euphemism or aphorism. It is giving one's life. Oh, my friends, he is calling for people to come and believe. Look at verse 37 through 40. No one could hope to plumb the depths of this text. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will in no means cast out. If you come to him, he will not reject you. He will receive you. He will love you. I will never cast them out. For I am come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose none but would raise them up at the last day. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him, come and believe, shall have everlasting life. And I'll raise Him up at that last day. Listen, salvation involves both divine sovereignty and human responsibility. I know we argue these days between Reformed and non-Reformed, Calvinist, non-Calvinist, and you can argue all day long. And I know I've written on that subject. And I think I'm right. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something. Salvation does involve the divine responsibility, uh, sovereignty of our God. He knows. And He is the one who woos us through His Holy Spirit. But it is our belief that says yes. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was once asked to rectify or to explain the tension between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. He said, just one phrase, he said, I never try to reconcile friends. I never try to reconcile friends. You see, there are things we will never understand, but God says, come and believe. And I'll give you everlasting life, and I'll raise you up in the last day. So we see the crowd seeking, not for the right reason, but Jesus doing a lot of explaining. Second and last, we see the murmuring crowd. In verses 41 through 51, uh, we see the leaders particularly get very upset because Jesus had said, I have come down from heaven. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out, time out. Isn't he from Galilee? Don't we know his mama and his daddy? Mary and Joseph? See, they didn't know that Joseph was not his physical father. They didn't know. He, didn't, he was not even born in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem by the virgin birth. But they thought they knew who he was. And here he is saying, wait a minute, I have come down from heaven. And so they began to murmur. They don't like it. Yes, he was the legal son of Joseph, but not his natural son. So Jesus further explained how the sinner can come 
to God. Jesus quotes Isaiah through the teaching of the Word of God, draws people to the Savior. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life and I have come from heaven to show you reality. When Jesus called himself the living bread, he was not saying that I'm exactly like manna. He said, I'm greater than manna. Manna will go away and you will get hungry once again. But when I come into your life, it's a forever relationship. When I come into your life, you don't ever have to worry about being lost again. I come in to reside. I come in to stay. He said it earlier in John 3, remember? When he's talked about being born again. Don't think I said to you that Sunday, but I was not a perfect child. I know you're shocked at that. I know you're surprised at that. I was not a perfect child. I was not a bad kid, really. I mean, I didn't get in too much trouble. I got a little bit. Uh, I I wasn't a perfect child. And I I know there are probably some times my mom and daddy probably would have, if they could have said, Get out of here. You're not our child anymore. But I had enough spunk in me. I probably would have said, Now, Mama, you can say that all you want, but I'm still your boy. You can't undo birth. I am your son, whether you like it or not. Whether you want me to be or not, I am. You see, you can't undo a family relationship. You can hurt it. And I have. But you can't undo it. And Jesus said, I want to give you life that's everlasting. And I will never cast you out. And no one can take you out of the Father's hand. No one can take you out of my hand. So he closed this part of his message by referring to his flesh. And he says in verse 51, John 6, 51, a declaration that the Son of God will give himself as a sacrifice for what? For the life of the world. You want physical life? I've got a better kind of life for you. Do we have the Lee Iacocca problem? Are we focusing on this life and not the next? Yes. I would say we are much like Lee Iacocca. We don't know who we are and we don't know what to do with the rest of our life because we've not focused on our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my friends, we need to hunger for the food that really counts. We need to hunger for that which really matters. We need to seek eternal life and ask ourselves, is my life purpose based on those kinds of eternal truths? I ask you today, do you want just a feel-good Jesus who makes you feel good on Sunday morning? Or are you willing to give your life to the one who wants to be your everyday Savior? I ask you, would you join with me and say, God, give me a hunger for that which matters. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So tomorrow, not today, it's easy today on Sunday, but tomorrow when you get up, will you say, Jesus, you're the bread of my life. And I hunger for you. I hunger for you. Can that be our prayer today? Lord Jesus, we want the bread of life. Pray with me, please. Father God, thank you for your powerful word today. Thank you for explaining to us what really matters. And God, may we not be like Mr. Iacocca, who it looks like left this world not understanding who he was. I hope 
someone told him the good news. I hope somebody opened up John 6 to him and said, Mr. Iacocca, do you want the bread of life? God, we want to hunger for you. We don't want to be so caught up in this world that we get our focus in the wrong place. But we want you, the bread of life. So speak to us, Lord, please. Speak to our hearts right now and draw us ever unto yourself. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.